Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today is... Retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli, uh, fully caffeinated, and well, it's Friday, so it's always a good day, right? Absolutely. Um, let's get started. As always, we've got a pack show, and we're going to start in Florida and actually stay in Florida for uh, quite a few of our stories uh, this week. Um, but we'll start in Marion County, uh, where body camera footage was released of a really um, scary incident where a Marion County Sheriff's deputy was responding to a call about a woman trying to steal another another driver's car keys. Uh, when the deputy reached the scene, the woman uh, got into the cruiser by climbing through the passenger side window and then took off with the vehicle. Um, her, her, her fleeing eventually led to a crash that killed three individuals. Um, the The body camera really kind of shows you just sort of um, – uh, the chaotic nature of the scene and again just uh, a, a scary situation you know it, it's um it's sad that these other people got killed and i don't want to say worse it's it's frustrating that we'll never know why she did this since she was one of the people killed in the crash but <clears throat> what makes a person and lord knows we have to be on top of this all the time right we used to get criticized when i was a police officer i always had two keys the one that mm -hmm. went in the ignition the one that was on my belt. So if I had to get out of my car and leave it running for any reason, I could lock it and walk away and nobody could get in without breaking a window. She climbed in a window. Um, right. I, I would dearly love to know why. And, and we never will. We'll never know. She just could have been insane. She just could have thought this had been fun. And we're going to talk about one where somebody did it just for fun. The frustrating thing for me is we lost these lives and we don't know why. But kudos to the sheriff who said, he made it abundantly clear his deputy did absolutely nothing wrong. Deputy didn't do anything wrong. This was one of those unavoidable things, and uh, it's it's just a shame to see it tragic. Right, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, it, it shows, too, just, uh, you know, even when you feel like you've pretty much secured every eventuality, something pops up, you know, and um, also just kind of puts into perspective what one individual, what one deputy, kind of the limitations that can be and what it means um, when it comes to uh, proper staffing. And I'm not saying that that was the case here. I'm just saying that this obviously, you know, it can be daunting for deputies out in the field um, when they're on the scene um, of, of cases like this and trying to sort everything out and at the same time control everyone. Yep, 100%. All right, moving on to our next story. And again, like I said, we'll be staying in Florida. And uh, this is another traffic-related story. Um, this was a case um, also in Marion County um, where a driver decided, 19-year-old driver decided he wanted to go on a high-speed chase just because it would be fun. Um, you know, you just talked, Frank, about, you know, we'll never know the reason um, why from that previous case well here we are to find out why this individual decided to um, lead deputies on a chase and it was just for kicks and well and at 19 years old a lot of us did very stupid things 
Um, here's one that will haunt this guy for quite some time now, but over a hundred miles an hour. And for what it's worth, the, the story we just talked about, this, the woman who stole the deputy's cruiser, again, over a hundred miles an hour, <clears throat> excuse me, for people who have never had a defensive driving class, I want you to keep in mind, a hundred miles an hour is 150 feet per second. Think about that. 50 yards, yeah. half a football field. How fast are you going? It's insanely fast. Um, and this guy just thought it'd be fun. I just going to go out and have a good time. Uh, endangers his own life, endangers the lives of the deputies uh, or police officers. Uh, you know, well, I, I hope he had his fun. I, I hope he never gets to do it again. I hope they they take his keys and his driver's license and he has to count on public transportation or bicycling for the rest of his life. But, uh, oh, yeah, woohoo, we had fun. And this just shows... I Boy, ever since um, the pandemic, I, I don't know what's happened, but you, you, there seems to be this increase um, in these types of incidents of, of of drivers just deciding, hey, you know what, I, I'm, this is a video game, I'm, I'm playing pole position, and I'm just going to go as fast and drive as erratically as possible, um, and I, I had, I had hoped you'd hope that. Um, after the pandemic, when when traffic kind of returned, that that this behavior sort of um, would go away, but unfortunately, it, it still seems to be out there. Well, you know, the thing is, during the pandemic, most police departments stopped enforcing traffic laws. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to avoid the contact. So people were out here doing 100, 110, and they weren't getting pulled over. Deputies would watch them drive by. Um, you know, they were letting their tags expire, and they weren't being pulled over. And then a lot of them, I think, are kind of offended that they have to go back to be obeying the law. You know, they got away with it. It was okay then. Why isn't it okay now? And they get pissy about it. Well, welcome to society. Anyway. Yeah. And and I don't want to go to necessarily go down this rabbit hole, but you wonder too how many of these drivers, you know, feel like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna chase me or not, because of um the uh, the chase policies being um in the spotlight in a lot of communities as far as some departments um you know deciding hey we're gonna not go after certain individuals um you wonder if that plays a, a part in in that mindset and one of the reasons i i, I agree with you 100 percent, and i think that's one of the reasons why no no chase policies are stupid yeah M moving on to our next story again Still in Florida, but uh, instead of Marion County, we're in Volusia County, um, where uh, sheriff's deputies ha had an unusual uh, traffic stop. Um, they received a call of, of a man who had uh, gone on to a closed beach with his pickup truck and just decided to, to take it on with the waves. Unfortunately, uh, in the video, it looks like the waves won. Uh, his, his truck uh, was actually battered and pushed back. Um, and uh, when deputies um, uh, caught up with him, uh, he had this great quote, which is, um, it's not my fault that truck don't surf. Am I getting in trouble for that? Um, and, and really, you know, you can't you can't blame them. It's really the truck's fault in this case. No, it's it's really not. Um, but, you know, this is like I said before we started recording. This is my stupid criminal of, of the week story. Um for anybody who's ever off-roaded, anybody who's ever done anything with, with deep water work or puddle work, you understand something called hydrolock, where if you get water in the engine, the engine's yeah. gone, done, seized, right? 
this guy apparently just decided I'm going to destroy my truck today and use mother nature to do it. And mother nature is always going to win. Make no mistake. The ocean is miles deep. And this guy got in a few feet and lost the fight. Um, but he, he had to ignore the do not enter sign. He had to go around it. He had to go someplace he wasn't supposed to go, uh, and, and go drive in the surf. And maybe he actually is stupid enough to think that he could body surf his Ram pickup truck, but it didn't, um, kudos to him probably messed up his truck, uh, beyond all repair and, uh, you know, going to get charged with a few things. Uh, I love the, the, uh, What's the, the comedian's name? Bill. Can't remember his last name. Um, he's part of the Nick comedy tour. Um, oh, uh, here's your sign. And that's what this, this guy apparently didn't read the sign. So here's his <laughs> sign. He went body surfing in a truck that doesn't surf. Uh, yeah, I, I again, I. Engvall. Bill Engvall. Sorry. There, there you go. Yeah. And uh, you just you just wonder sometimes. Uh, I, I again, I, I'm just. <laughs> The idea is it's not my fault. Um, just just stays with me. Yeah. Moving on to our, our no next truck. Oh. It's, it's all the truck's fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Moving on to our next story. Um, again in Florida, but away from the traffic incidents. And this is um, a case where a um, a SWAT sniper saved um, the lives of hostages in a at a bank. One uh, hostage in particular who had a knife at her throat by uh, the suspect. Um, this was out of um, Lee County, where a Lee County Sheriff's Office SWAT unit was called in um, for a man who had was holding. Uh, let's see, I believe uh, a few people hostage at. Um, one in particular, one woman who was being held hostage with a knife to her throat. Um, SWAT negotiators were trying to to um, resolve the situation in a peaceful manner. Unfortunately, um, that couldn't happen. And uh, the sniper uh, took a shot and was able to uh, take down uh, the suspect um, and save the lives of the hostages. Um, but uh, I, my God, such a... I, I'm I'm going to be understating here just how tense a situation that must be to to figure out how you need to re to resolve this situation with um without the loss of at least what I'll say innocent lives. So you know the, the, there's a couple things I want to point out on this story mm -hmm. in particular. Um number one, there'll be all these people that's that their their focus is the sniper took a life. Um <clears throat> and Hands down, there, there's no arguing that. Uh, however, he did it in the service of saving lives. He saved two lives. Um, assuming it was a SWAT sniper, he just easily be a she. Sure. I'm not trying to be misogynistic. SWAT sniper did their job. Um, you know, th this was their the hostage taker uh, didn't really give him any other choice. Started to design, you know, display these signs of. Um, using potentially deadly force and you use deadly force to stop deadly force and there's no other option. And the sniper from the SWAT team did what was necessary. Kudos to that SWAT sniper. I hope they don't have any ill effects from this. I hope, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, or I hope that um, the Marcino, excuse me, the sheriff's office down there um, doesn't see, says Lee, Lee County, I, I hope they don't see any negative pushback from this as far as 
you know, somebody claiming racism or uh, unjustified force or whatever. Uh, to me, that it, it just doesn't get any cleaner than this. I hope the sniper doesn't lose any sleep over it <clears throat> and goes on to a nice, long, happy career. Kudos to to the team down there for what they did. And the, the sheriff made a point. Um, he, he was quoted as saying, this is a very unfortunate incident, but I will tell you the two hostages being safe was our top priority. And, yeah. and like you said, I mean, that that's that is where the focus is. Um, and it, it, this this wasn't a case of uh, the, the man had a knife to a woman's throat. Uh, but, you know, it, it, that that's a situation that can go south quickly and um you know to be able to handle that with, without the loss of of innocent life is it, it, yeah should be commended and for what it's worth we're not talking about a a killed victim never had a criminal past before this we're talking about the the guy that they shot and killed was a convicted felon had previous charges of drug trafficking, aggravated assault, and carrying a concealed firearm, not only in Florida, but in several states. There's a bad guy. They got taken out. Nobody should be losing sleep. Moving on to our next story. Uh, this is out of Pennsylvania, um, where um, two uh, veteran police officers um, were wounded when they arrived at the scene of a report of a shooting um, and ran into gunfire um this was a just a, a just a bizarre type of situation where uh the shooting then turned into a standoff and at this house where a fire then started um and uh police were still trying to sort out um whether all you know what family members were still inside who the shooter was etc um and it just um just a strange scene um and this is out of let me see uh let me get this right east Lansdowne, um which is a borough in pennsylvania and uh, the the two wounded officers one was an east Lansdowne officer the other was a Lansdowne officer who then were dragged to safety by uh two other officers um getting them out of the line of fire but again another scary situation yeah and this really is a sad situation because these officers, um, you know, there had been a report of uh, a, a, an 11-year-old girl shot inside the home, and that that's apparently what they were responding for. And then as they approached, they were shot. Now, this, this house burned down. It's nothing left but a husk, apparently. Uh, allegedly, eight family members lived in this house. Um, you know, I, I suspect once the investigation's all done, they might find out this is some kind of homicide-suicide thing where a family member or a friend of the family <clears throat> killed the family and, and burned the place up and died with the family after shooting at these officers. I'm glad the officers are going to be okay. Kudos to the, the, the allied agencies for saving them. Um, there's some mention of a, um, a shield being used to drag mm -hmm. the officers to safety. They have good use of a shield and, and, and going in towards the sounds of fire or shots. Um, you got to do what you got to do to save lives, right? So kudos to all these guys. I hope the officers recover well. It's a shame what happened to the family, uh, but it's just another example of how often you never know what's going to happen. You know, you go on a call and, and you can think it's quote unquote routine. And then the next thing you know, shots are being fired. And then they, you have a house fire and it, it, all of a sudden you're juggling stuff. You're not even trained to deal with. And it's, uh, 
it can be rough. I hope those officers are okay. Yeah. And it is, it's, you keep seeing these incidences more and more where even before officers make contact with, with the suspect, um, they're, they just are, are receiving gunfire, you know, before they even reach a door um, where, where they're just being fired upon. Um, and and it, it, you know, you always have to be your head on a, also, oh, excuse me. Head you always have to have a, have your head on a swivel. Um, but I, I mean, we're getting to the point where it's just, you open the car door and suddenly, you know, you can't, you're not even walking up to the house, but you're, you're receiving gunfire. Um, it, you know, it, it it's well, just very daunting. It can get worse. I know of an incident in Prince George's County, Maryland, where officers responded to a call at an apartment complex and the officer didn't even get to get out of his car. And, uh, he was shot yeah. through the door, through the windshield. Uh, he was hit a couple of times with AK-47 fire and he returned fire and thank God he's okay. But you don't even, you don't even have to get out of the car and you can get ambushed. So you're, you're right. Head on a swivel, looking for work, looking for the threat. Moving on to our next story. This is out of Missouri and we've talked about, um, you know, uh, police department staffing in the past. Uh, this was a case where the wife of a Carl Junction police corporal was um, taking city officials to task when it came to um, the staffing of the department, uh, saying that um, in some cases, uh, shifts were were uh, only having one officer on duty, and that was putting um, the lives of these officers in jeopardy. Um, I, I, I like this story in the sense that, you know, a lot of times we're hearing from the, uh, uh, the officials, we're hearing from the officers when it comes to um, uh, departments that are short staff and, and what that means. But rarely do you, do you hear from the family members of, of these police officers and, and their concerns about, uh, you know, these these short staff departments and what that can mean uh, for them. You know, and that's, I'll be quick about this, but this is why I want to talk about it. I think there's a unique perspective here. And if it ever becomes a court issue, it'll be interesting to see if any precedent gets set. If you have officers working short staffed um, and the agencies have a proven lower than average or lower than competitive pay rate, uh, then do they become, uh, do they hold extra liability for the safety of the officers mm. that are working without backup or without timely backup or whatever the case may be? When you have an officer who gets hurt or killed in the line of duty and then the spouse takes the agency and the city or county or state, whatever, to court, the courts could say, yes, you have a responsibility to pay enough to ensure proper manpower. Uh, and short of that, then you're liable and, and they could pay out, uh, you know, they, they could pay out whatever the loss is and then the punitive damages. It's it's an approach I don't think I've seen before from family members, but I think it could it could have serious impact if it ever actually got to court and became precedent setting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. Um, I, I, again, like I said, this is um, a, a lot of times you don't you don't hear about this and you certainly don't hear about um, these family members. um you know, expressing their concerns to to city officials, um, and it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, if if um, the city does anything 
um, in response to this. Um, well, and they may not be able to. It may be true. budget restrictions, and Lord knows there's a recruiting and hiring challenge nationwide because people aren't as eager to go into law enforcement. But I think the two key here is are going to be average pay for a given area. If if the agency's paying below average, um, measurably or significantly, whatever terminology the courts use, I think that'll be one. And then two, if they're staffed uh, below the recommended ratio. So right now, like IACP says, one officer for every thousand residents. Well, you might have a 2,000 square mile county that's only got 500 residents and you've got one cop and you're you're great on your ratio. Are they being paid enough? Is it reasonable for them to think they're going to have backup? That's different than pick any of the big cities. If they're 20% understaffed, paying below average, uh, you know, and, and then somebody gets hurt and a spouse sues, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Um, moving on to our next story. This is out of California. And, you know, we've uh, we've talked about uh, departments uh, uh, being dissolved and disbanded. This is a case where uh, California City Wasco or Wasco, excuse me, is um, getting ready to have their police department return after over 40 years. Um, this, the city has spent, uh, let's see, somewhere between $4 million and $6 million to get the department restarted again and relaunched. Um, what I found interesting, too, was uh, that uh, in doing this, they understood that even though, you know, over those four decades where they didn't have a department, they were still um, receiving law enforcement coverage um, from the sheriff's office. But even in that case, um, the city understood that uh, law enforcement shortages as they are right now, the sheriff's office was going to be taxed um, trying to cover that city. And, um, you know, the officials decided, hey, let's 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 bring back our department. And I love it, Joe. You know, the agency that I worked for my last 15 years was brand new in 2004. They had contracted oh. the surrounding county for services for decades. And then they realized looking at the money that for what they were paying the county, they could have their own police department rather than have three or four county officers rotating through. They could have 10 to 12 of their own officers who were dedicated specifically to that that uh, that region, that area, uh, that geographic space, the city jurisdiction. And um, now they're, you know, strength 23 people, too. So I love to see this. I, I think it'll result in the Wasco City residents getting much better service. And that's not a dig on the sheriff's agency. It, it, when you have more officers in a smaller space, you get better visibility, you get lower response times, you get better community relations. It's better all the way around. And, and um, the uh, the police chief kind of pointed out too is, um, what will he's quoted, what will happen now is when citizens call for service, they'll call a local office, they'll know the people that they're talking to. And it gives this connect, connection to the community. Um, again, not a, a slam on, on the sheriff's office, but uh, when you have the officers there that are, are just in charge of that city, uh, that that at least increases the opportunity for community involvement. It, it, that's greater than um, deputies who, uh, you know, are pulled into a lot of different geographic areas. Um, so I, I'm sure that's also, um, you know, a, a benefit that the, the city is looking at. 
Absolutely. Like I said, one of the one of the best things you'll see is improvement in in community relations with the agency. Finally, our last story, and this is out of Michigan, where um, a Kalamazoo police dog, um, I, I, you know what, I'll, I'll characterize it as heroic efforts of protecting officers. And in that the case, um, he was stabbed several times uh, with a box cutter once, at least once in the, the throat. Um, and uh, there's video from uh, the scene and, and you see the officers, um, or at least one officer, um, helping the dog and, and getting that animal rushed to uh, an emergency veterinary clinic. Thankfully, uh, this uh, canine named Sledge um, is going to recover. Um, and, um, uh, you know, he, despite the injuries, um, but uh, let's see, he, he was stabbed in the jugular vein and he lost 40% of his blood. Um, and just, um, I, I, you know, it, it gets to me a little bit too with the just you know doing that to an animal um and, but uh you know you've talked before frank about how these canine officers are are just that can you know considered officers by um their handlers and by the other officers in a department um and, and you see just what type of an asset in the field um these dogs can be you know, and I'm going to I'm going to point out the fact that uh, this guy threatened the officers. They deploy the canine. Canine does his job. Um, the, the man gets taken into custody with, you know, bite injuries. So on caused by the canine. Um, I'm, I'm glad the canine is going to survive. And it's really a, a, a weird dynamic because, you know, far better to risk the life of the dog than the risk of life of a human. But by the same token, you lose that dog and you feel like you lost a member of your family or your uh -huh. partner if you're the canine handler. Um, I know of an incident way back in the in 1980s, and this is how things have changed, where a woman was um, on something suicidal, whatever she was. She had a butcher knife and she started harming herself with the butcher knife. And the, the canine officer that happened to be on the scene deployed the dog with the intent of... Um, distracting the woman from causing herself harm so the dog's gonna bite her but if he bites an arm and she drops a knife and she can't harm herself now we've stopped her from from killing herself right well she turns around and starts to attack the dog with the knife and the canine handler shot her and grand jury said well yeah she was attacking a police officer with a knife never mind that it's a four-legged furry one she attacked mm -hmm. a police officer with a knife the officer trying to help her attacked the officer with a knife the other officer shot her end of story we can't we probably couldn't do that today but you know um i have really mixed emotions about that you attack a police dog you ought to get treated like you're attacking a police officer and deadly force should be authorized and i would not lose sleep if this guy went to the the, the morgue instead of to the hospital but kudos to sledge the canine for doing what he's supposed to do um and he absolutely, the beautiful thing about the dogs, he absolutely did this because he he was earning a reward, right? He he wanted uh -huh. the love and trust of his canine he, handler. He wanted he wanted the the attaboys and the, the petting and everything else. He wanted his treat. He wanted his toy. He was just great. And uh, thank God he lived through this and and he was able to be reunited. It'd be you know, 
interested to see whether or not they ever bring him back to work. I personally don't think, I think he ought to be retired and live a long, happy life, seeing how many tennis balls he can pop. Um, but yeah, this, this, to me, this is the good, the feel good story. The canine didn't die. Uh, the bad guy goes to jail. Things work out the way they're supposed to. I'd, I'd like to see attempted murder charges on the bad guy because he tried to kill a police canine. And that wraps it up for this uh, episode. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Um, again, I hope uh, you uh, also, while you're listening to this, maybe check out some of the other podcasts available, um, our Officer Roll Call podcast, as well as uh, Command Q&A. Yeah, and Joe, before we say goodbye, I'm going to yeah. brag for a minute. For those that are listening, um, Officer has at Officer.com has stood up these two podcast series, Roll Call, the every other week series based on our magazine content and these weekly lineup news commentary um, podcast, we, we won awards this year. So uh, roll call within the company that owns officer.com won an award as best podcast series and the lineup won an award for uh, the launch, you know, the best new launch. Um, so kudos to you. Congratulations to you. I want to congratulate our, our editor, Paul Peluso. He and I usually do um, the Roll Call podcast. But for the people listening, understand you're listening now to award-winning podcasts. <clears throat> and yes, I will <laughs> brag about it. So listen, Friday morning, we're going to the weekend. Everybody needs to stay safe. And Joe, thank you for knocking this out this morning with me. No problem. You take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.